This is Brett from Dimension Z, joined as I am every week by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing good. How you doing? Feeling very... Dude, that wasn't bad. Pretty good Bilal right there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Dude, so it's about time. How much have we mentioned this fucking movie? It's about time we get to it. This is one, it's a favorite of mine, and it's, I immediately wanted to cover it, of course. And I was like, no, you need to save some of your favorites so you don't do all of your favorites at the very beginning. And then it's year like three or four, and you're like, well, all we have really left is the f- like caliber of movie of like frogs. Or, <laughs> <laughs> which is like the, the eighth sequel in franchises and everything like that. Yeah, you know, like fuck. Now we have to cover like Pinhead in space. Like I don't really want to do this. Like <laughs> oh, I didn't I watch do. the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Basket Case. So this, if you are new and you haven't seen Basket Case, is a one hundred percent recommend. Go check it out. I don't know how to warn somebody who wouldn't know what Basket Case is on what they'd be in for. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's very unique, and that's exactly why when Malignant came out, and the big thing with Malignant is a lot like Basket Case, and I was immediately like, holy shit, and I think that's one of the reasons I love that movie so much. Oh, definitely. Like, So Basket Case, if you don't know, is this weird movie about a set of conjoined twins who are separated, and one is a very normal-looking human, the other, I've described him as a mashed potato monster. Yes. And... Who's he keeps in the basket, and the big theme is what's in the basket through the whole movie. And they have a psychic connection, and all this madness ensues. That, on its own, though, does no justice to what you actually get when you watch Basket Case. Because so much of what I love in this movie is what you've talked about, too, is these weird little moments that really have nothing to do with anything that I guess could have technically been cut. Like, there's no reason to be in there, but man, I love they're in there. Oh, I like, there's, uh, of course, we'll get to all of them, but, like, at the very beginning, when Dwayne's being harassed by the drug dealer, and the drug dealer has every drug under the world, it's like, the oh, random everything. bar scene, um, like, even, like, you go into, like, uh, like, the doctor's office at the one point, and it's just cruddy looking, like, everything looks dirty and dark and fits so well in the movie, and a lot of these people never did any other movies except for this one movie, and I think that actually is beneficial to it, because it actually feels real. Oh, they all feel like they have their own backstories, like, why is that nurse's arm broken, things like that. (laughs) The twin nurses! Yes, you know, there's so much in this, like, and everyone feels like they have their own backstory that you never get to. It's great, like, everyone in the hotel, I just love all of them. This movie's oh a great time. And the um, hotel manager who has to constantly, like, run up and up up and down those stairs because there's, like, <laughs> screaming or a commotion going on. He's like, go back to your rooms! Like, I think, because Frank Henenlotter is just such a unique mind, I could see this being done extremely cheaply, as it was here, but nowhere near as well done, and not as good of a story. If it was by someone else, do you mean? Yeah. I, I can see that, definitely. Dude, real quick on that hotel manager. Does he do anything else at any point no. of the day? Because it's all hours and all he does is sit behind his little saloon door counter that he's always at constantly and running up and down the stairs and there's commotion. Does he ever have a day off? Like, is he this ne- just what he does? He never even sleeps. He's always at that desk. Yeah, all times of the day. You know, like... In your local town, there's always some small town gas station that all old guys just hang out in all day for some reason. I guess that's just his spot is down at the bottom of the hotel. Which, fun fact, um, they, that is a, uh elevator that he's setting in that they outfitted to look like a tiny office. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Yes. Also, I want to real quick mention, because this is such a, is such a huge movie, and um, we got to interview one of the stars, Terry Susan Smith, uh, months ago, and ask her all kinds of questions about the movie and whatnot, and she was awesome. So definitely go back and check that out and um, to get some insights from her point of view. 
Oh, yeah, we won't beat for beat everything she told us, because there's a full episode up there about it. But, yeah, go listen to that. One, she's just one of the best people we could have had on the show. Like, super nice. And it was a really fun episode if you want to get some behind-the-scenes stuff that I honestly never heard anywhere else. Oh, yeah, and it's one, like, she, like you said, she's super nice. Like, she will still, like, see an episode get posted and like it. And I'm always like, oh, thank you. <laughs> All right, you want to get into this thing? Yes, let's record this fucker. Alright, Basket Case from 1982, with, I believe, an Edward Trifecta from he- Frank Henenlotter? No, he wrote and directed it, did not produce it. Oh, that makes sense. Man, he could have thrown some of his own cash at this thing? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it was made for, like, $35,000, so we're in, like, clerk's territory here with budget. Yeah, I mean, he couldn't have pitched in, like, 20 bucks somewhere to get his name on that credit? <laughs> yeah, really. But it starts with this doctor walking outside at night, and the bushes and trees are rustling. It's, you know, some small town area. This doesn't look like New York to me. But he's like, oh, what's that? He runs back inside, and he's he hears something coming after him. Power's cut. The phone line's out. Oh, no. So there's obviously something coming to get him. We have no idea what it is if you haven't seen this movie before. And eventually you hear all this, like, noises, like, and some shadows <laughs> on the wall and stuff. and this disfigured-looking monstrous hand reaches up and grabs his face and attacks him. Yeah, his face gets pulled under um, the screen for, like, two seconds and returns covered in blood. Which is a trick they will use throughout this entire movie. And you know what? I know exactly what they're doing. They're getting around, like, okay, now get him, like, under the screen, and either we can do, like, a quick cut there and it's hidden, or just spray his face with blood real quick and then put him back up there. Don't care. Works. Oh, yeah, it works perfectly. And, oh, you, you don't even need the full puppet. Just the hand part that someone's hand is in. Reaches up, grabs him, pulls him down, and cut. Apply the blood. Okay, action. Come back up. Which, fun fact of, like, a lot of people played Belial's hands in those, like, rubber glove-looking things. But yeah. at some point, the latex kept shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, where they had to have a kid play the Belial hands, because they're the only ones that would fit in it. It does change shape, I noticed, throughout the movie, so that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But his face is ripped up by, Del- by Belial and killed, and we meet Dwayne for the first time, walking around New York City with his oh. big old wicker basket with a padlock on it, and we're introduced to this drug dealer who will not pop up again, but tries to sell him every drug known to man. I'm not kidding, Like I think it goes on for like a minute. Like, a legit 60 seconds of him naming every kind of drug that he has. Shit I've never even heard of. But he's like, yeah, I got uppers, downers, screamers, laughers, I got THC, meth, crack, cocaine. I got uh, just vodka if you want it. Like, you need an aspirin? You have a headache? <laughs> yeah, he just go. Dwayne just doesn't say anything, just keeps walking. And, and the guy's like, what the fuck's wrong with you, man? It's like a little <laughs> thing like that of, like, the drug dealer gets mad. <laughs> yeah, how dare you not take my drugs? Dwayne comes across the very first uh, hotel that he sees, like he says in a little bit, and it's the Hotel Broslin. Yep, which we will cut to that side many times throughout the movie, and we got our first what's in the basket here when he goes to check in. Yeah, and I love the one guy who's just like, he threw out like about probably half the movie or so, I'd say, where he's just sitting there with a bottle and a paper bag, and he's like, He's smuggling in us a case of beer. He's going to throw us a party. <laughs> <laughs> like, who's it? Just you? Just me? All alone in the poor world. <laughs> like that, which I love so much. Oh, he's such a great character. That's O'Donovan, isn't it? Is that the guy Belial gets later? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, that's O'Donovan. Okay. Um, But he gets checked in, and he's going to be staying there for a while. I think it's one of those hotels you can, like, live at, too. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because um, Casey, who we meet uh, here in just a little bit, seems like she lives there because she almost looks like she's painted her room because it's all bright and yellow and happy. There's smiley faces all over the place. There's also the great thing between Dwayne and the hotel manager where he's like, yeah, I want a room. He's like, for an hour, for a week, for a year? Come on, give me a time frame. Like, he's always (laughs) just the mad New Yorker. Oh, he's had so much with everyone's shit. After seeing this movie, I see why. He's a piece of pizza and a sleeveless white shirt. <laughs> <laughs> That's how New York he is. Yes. 
Dwayne gets some burgers for his basket monster and is dumping them in, and you like it rattles around, makes eating noises. <laughs> oh, more! And he puts just dumps like ten more in there with him. I was gonna say this is where I'm like, Belial's living the life. He just gets cheeseburgers delivered to him, and look how many he gets. Yeah. Which <laughs> little side note: whenever like I always try to eat before the podcast because if I don't, it's too late, and I get really hungry after we're done, and I try to rush through the show. I was eating. I was like, what am I going to have today? I was like, I want a cheeseburger because that just looks really good. There's something about a tinfoil wrapped burger that you got at a gas station or something like that is always really good. Yeah, it almost reminded me of like drive-in burgers. Yeah. This is where we first introduced to the whole psychic connection thing because Dwayne's trying to sleep and no one's talking. There's no noise anywhere. And he's yelling to nobody in particular, shut up. I'm trying to sleep. At this point, you're like, is he just crazy? You have no idea. Uh, also, I feel like this is going to keep happening where Dwayne's going up to his room before any of this. And for some reason, there's like an old woman standing on the stairs. It's like, what room are you in? And he's like, room seven. It's like, oh, that's a wonderful room. It's just a little old lady lived there. She only left on Sundays. I don't know why that's a positive. You would think like, oh, so she just like. This room's going to smell like old woman now. But she's like, oh, yeah, she would always say that her family's after her money. And then one day she showed up in all these jewels and furs and we never saw her again. Then she turns around and heads right back down the stairs almost to like reset so she can tell the next person this story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's like a thing a car dealer would tell you as a positive. Yeah, they only left on Sundays. That's great if you're buying a car. Yeah. If you're buying the place they lived, not so great. No, it's just going, so they never left, so it's just this person smell. Yeah. At some point later the next day, O'Donovan is spying through a little people in Dwayne's room, and Casey, played by Beverly Bonner, she's a prostitute who lives at one of the nearby rooms. She interrupts O'Donovan spying on, like, I have a good mind to start knocking on that door, get out! And she, of course, does, she tells Dwayne about it and everything, she's like, Make sure you don't leave any valuables laying around or anything. If I'm Dwayne, I'd be like, look, I don't care if people are going to rob me, but obviously he's trying to keep Belial secrets. Like, maybe put something up in front of the peepholes? Yeah. Like you said, uh, Casey played by Beverly Bonner, who's a Frank Henenlotter-like mainstay. She's in oh, yeah. all three Basket Case movies, Brain Damage, Frankenhooker, Bad Biology. Like, I've still never seen Bad Biology. I've seen everything else. I still need to see that one as well. I believe that's his last one that he did so far. It was. Let's do that for the show sometime. He'll be one of the first directors we've completely knocked out then. Yeah, and I love Hen and Lauder, so it makes sense. But Dwayne and his basket go to Dr. Needleman's for the first time. And this we're introduced to Sharon. Yes, Terry Susan Smith, where she's like uh, sitting there talking to like the patient before him. And she's like, this is the typewriter that's broken. And Dwayne's like, what? And then she does the whole, like, you do it awesome, so you do it. <laughs> she goes, yeah, I don't know what happened. I was typing on it. It makes it sound like there's a mouse caught him. Like, <laughs> it's the best scene in the world, and I love it. <laughs> the face she makes and whatnot, it's hilarious. And then he's like, I don't know anything about typewriters. I'm here to see the doctor. She's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Which, when you see, if you've obviously called a typewriter repairman, and you see someone walk in with a giant basket, I would also make the assumption, ah, here is the repairman. Yeah, exactly. But, he's like, I'm an old friend of Dr. Needleman's, do you think I could get in? I don't have an appointment. Well, he'd tell you no, but let's just squeeze you and say you had an appointment. What's your name? He goes, uh, let's, my name's Dwayne, but can you put something else? I want to surprise him. Yeah, and she's like, oh, yeah, he's going to love this. He's a hoot and all this, which uh, then, like, the old woman comes out because she has, like, a million things going on as well. Like, my head's killing me. My back's killing me. My stomach's in knots. He gave me this medicine and made me throw up. Like, she's just going a mile a minute. And then she comes out and uh, Sharon's like, oh, yes, you can go in now. And Dwayne goes in and is talking to the doctor. He's like, oh, yeah, I have a chest pain. And the doctor's sitting there, like, eating what looks like fried chicken. And he's like, okay, go in there and uh, uh, take off your shirt. He starts, like, doing the eyebrows and stuff. It's like, the guy's immediately scummy. Yeah, he seems like a creep right from the get-go. Yes. Also, want to point out, Sharon, 
not a great receptionist. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, sure. We'll use a fake name for the doctor. Everything. Okay, I'll take you out your word for it. Oh yeah, just go in there alone with him and see him. So he goes in and, like, take your shirt off and everything, takes off his shirt, and you see this full body-length scar going down the side of Dwayne. Yeah, and at this point you're thinking, like, oh, okay, um, like, he's dead, of course, because the first Doctor dies immediately when they see him, and almost everyone else in the movie does, but it's almost like he came to warn him, so I guess that he would call the other Doctor that Dwayne can't find, and... Well, I think it's just Dwayne getting, like, a lay of the land, too. Like, okay, maybe you're going to have to go through this door or something like that to tell Belial. Because they have this psychic connection, so Belial might be able to, like, see what he's seeing. I don't know. Yeah, well, that also seems to come into play later, so that makes sense. Yeah, I think it's kind of one of those scenarios. So later when Belial goes back, he knows exactly where to go. Oh, so it's like the one Star Trek Next Generation movie where they take over Jordy's visor and the Klingons can see the uh, holodeck thing. <laughs> You might very well may be correct. No, that's 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 a plot of a movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> but that's pretty much all we see the appointment. He leaves and at Sharon kind of asks him out because we forgot earlier when well, he's like, No, I'm just visiting, I don't live here. And she grills him about every <laughs> single New York landmark. Like, you never seen the Statue of Liberty, never seen the Twin Towers, never seen Alice Island, like just going on about everything. I love and her so delivery of it's like, you have time for that <laughs> <laughs> But he like, goes to leave, and she asks him, like, oh, I can't tonight. They takes the basket over, sets it on the other side of the room, comes back and whispers, like, how about, okay, I'll pick you up at your place. Why are we whispering? Dwayne, so he, instead of coming up with some, like, sly, oh, I thought it'd be fun, like, so he can't hear you. That should set up your danger alarm right away. Guy <laughs> carrying weird basket comes over, because he'll hear you. And her reaction is, like, the doctor? And he's, like, shh. But yeah, so like they make plans to go on a date later. Dwayne leaves with his basket. Yes. Uh, he falls asleep at a movie, and someone decides to steal his basket, which is the worst idea for them, because the guy steals his basket and goes to the bathroom, breaks the padlock off of it, and of course Belial attacks him. He comes running away with an eye wound as Dwayne's running back up to find the basket. Oh, if it wasn't for Belial, Dwayne would be immediately, like, he would be in New York City for about a day, lose all of his money and all of his possessions, because he just is way too trusting. Is it he's too trusting, or he knows, like, I've lived my whole life with a psychic connection with Belial, I don't have to worry about things because Belial picks up things I don't worry about. Yeah, because Belial also seems to have superhuman strength, because the Doctor earlier was talking about the Doctor at the very beginning of the movie, and how he was ripped in half. And that seems to be a returning thing in this, of, like, almost everybody ends up in half. Yeah, I don't know, like, you comp compact a full human strength into, like, a two-by-two -two blob, maybe you're stronger, I don't know. Belial would be, like, an awesome quarterback. It's like the new Tom Brady. It's like... Wh well, he's not very fast. We've well, seen no, he, he walks He walks in stop motion, Brett. He's not very quick. That's that's why he's the quarterback. He just has to drop back and throw it. He doesn't have to go run and get it. It's like... Don't they what? still run? I legitimately don't know. Sometimes. I think they if, still run, don't they? If they go for it. I have no idea. Okay. I'm just trying to get to the point of Belial's the quarterback. They're like, what play are we doing? He's like, oh! They're like, okay! <laughs> There's Dr. Cutter we're introduced to next. She's a, this lady who's at dinner getting this young boy completely drunk. Like, I shouldn't drink anymore. No, keep drinking. You're cute when you drool. Yeah, it's really, she's like, it's usually, like, in these movies, it's the opposite of it's like a skeezy guy trying to get the younger girl to drink too much, so, like, her inhibitions are gone. No, this is complete role reversal, where it's the older woman and the younger guy's like, no, keep drinking. But she gets a phone call, and his Needleman calling her, and he's hysterical, like, Charlie in that Sunny episode about Pepe Sylvia, <laughs> and he's like, this boy came in! Did you hear about the last doctor? He was killed, but he came in, nothing wrong with him, I had a giant scar going up the side of him, I'm telling you! And she's like, okay, never call me again, we don't know each other, good night, and hangs the phone up on him. Yeah, she's like, I cannot be bothered by you. Where she almost seems like she's like... Uh, like a Dr. Hill from Reanimator type of, like, the top doctor in a hospital. Spoiler alert, come to find out she's a vet. 
Yeah, exactly. No, she's not. Because later we get that line, like, I don't even think it's human. That's why Belial falls under her expertise, I guess. I guess. But I guess this was the same day, which I thought this was, like, a day or two later. But, no, it's got to be the same day because Sharon leaves work. And she's like, do you want me to lock up or you still stay working? Like, uh, you go ahead, lock up. But, yeah, I'm going to be here. And she leaves and Dwayne dumps the basket right outside of the door. And we get some Belial point of view cam as he gets into the door. He just grabs the handle and rips the door off the hinges. Yeah, super strength. Yeah. And the doctor hears a noise, goes out and finds that door ripped open. And he runs back and hides in his office. And his office is attacked, attached to like this little exam room. And I guess Belial's in there because we get... This is our first Belial reveal, I think, too, in the movie. Like, full, full on him. It is, yes. And we get that reveal when he attacks the doctor. We get the... And the doctor is going into him. And he jumps on his face. And this doctor's smashing on everything. Holding the puppet onto his face the whole time. It's great. I want to mention this. They are so proud of this puppet. Like, uh, I heard someone compare it. You know how in Jaws, they're like... They have this awesome shark. But they don't show it much. Like, if we show it too much, it's not going to look great. Like, yeah. we know what we have. No, Frank Lauder and everyone in charge of this movie is so goddamn proud of Belial. They're like, we're putting him in every scene we can. Oh, yeah. Can you think of a more unique monster than, like you said, the mashed potato blob person thing? Yeah, but like they don't hold back after no. it's revealed. Like, yeah, put him in everything. No more hands reach and anything. No, put all Belial in there. I don't care if we have to stop motion, have him crawl around the room. We're keeping him on focus. To the point of him and Dwayne just have hearts to heart throughout the movie, where it's just them two sitting there. Yeah, he has to act with this little puppet thing. That's great. Yeah. But, yeah, so he's attacking the doctor, and he starts ripping his guts out. Yeah, he shoves his, like, hands into his stomach, and he screams, and there's blood everywhere. This is another one that gets ripped in half. Yep. Well, you'd think so. He's working his way through his midsection pretty well. Oh, yeah. That's pretty much the end of that next day he gets fed hot dogs and Dwayne's heading out for the day go have some hot dogs if you're bored he sets up a tv in front of him and turns it on he's like here you go and if you're bored i got you the newspaper the tv's not even on like it's just static on the screen belial reaches out to change the channel and breaks the knob instantly yeah where you would think if you're Dwayne, at least put it on a channel for him so he's like okay what's on like i don't have to fuck around with this he has superhuman strength so he might break it like also could i there's no point of me that can imagine belial sitting on the bed reading a newspaper be like oh oh i didn't know belial <laughs> could read i don't know no but Dwayne leaves for his date at the statue of liberty with sharon Yes, uh, so cliched. <laughs> it looks like they're having a great time, though. One, like, oh. okay, I'm gonna be weird here with this movie for a second. When you break it down to its core, I don't even know if this was on purpose, but a theme you can take from this movie is, like, the stress of caregiving, you know what I mean? Dwayne is constantly in debt and taking care of Belial to the point he's never made time for his, himself his entire life. No. You know what I mean? Like, this is his first time really seeming trying to break away from taking care of his brother his whole life. So, like, when you really want to look at this movie, that's the theme of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but you can definitely read that into it. And so this is his, you know what, I'm going on a date for myself. Take care of yourself for a little bit. And he's having the time of his life. Oh, yeah. Well, it's even the cheesy thing of, like, I, Dwayne's like, I have a confession to make i didn't care about seeing the sights i just wanted to see you and sharon's like silly i did wanted to go around and see the sights with you for the same reason and then they do like the big makeout scene yes they do and remember psychic link as soon as they kiss Dude, this is my favorite because it's like an animatronic that's spring loaded. They kiss and he boom pops out of the basket and is <laughs> screaming in that great Belial voice. <laughs> it starts trashing the apartment and doesn't stop screaming the entire time. You probably know this. What did they use for the scream? 
Um, well, I'm not exactly sure what they. It was probably it's most likely Frank Henenlotter. I would say I'm not sure what the scream someone is. Someone just screaming through a tin can. Well, then they heavily modulated it so they like distorted it and fucked it up. I do know that during the scenes when it's Belial popping out of the basket on top of the dresser, that's Frank Henenlotter stuffed into the dresser and him operating the hands and stuff. That's awesome. But yeah, he's trashed in this room, dude. Oh, he smashes the television. He's throwing the drawers all over the place. It's in, like, wonderful stop motion the whole time. At one point, he just starts, like, banging the bed against the floor, but, like, to a beat, is like, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> Dude, I don't know if it's this one or his next freak up, but anyway, he takes one of the drawers out of the dresser and throws it. I love the yeah. stop motion because it's seriously him pulling it, quick frame, right in front of the camera, and then gone. Oh, it fucking flies so quickly. Uh, this is, I think, the first of what is ex- many, many scenes of everyone in the hotel coming out of their rooms because there's some commotion going on in room seven. And they're all like, oh, my God. And the manager goes running up. He's like, get out of the way. Let me open up the door. And, of course, Belial like, hides real quick. And everyone pours into Dwayne's room and uh, O'Donovan sees the giant wad of cash laying there and is just like, huh, waka waka, like his eyes do that thing. <laughs> and then the uh, hotel manager kicks everyone out and Don- and he's like, come on, Donovan, let's go hang out. And Donovan's like, no, I'm going to go uh, lay down. And as soon as everyone else leaves, he's just like peeks around the corner. He's just like, hmm? Yeah, and you know, you're probably not the only one creeping on the room after this, dude. Like, other people are going to be hanging around, but I guess not. Because he breaks into the room to go for the money, and he gets it. He's all excited. And then he opens up the basket, because obviously there's something valuable in here. Dwayne's been carrying it around everywhere, and Belial leaps out and attacks him. Which, I want to say, it's never steal. Stealing is bad. But he does, like, the fucking horrible thing of, like, he goes, runs, and he grabs the giant wad of cash. He doesn't immediately run back to his room so no one sees him. He sits there and he takes his time and counts it. He starts going through Dwayne's other things. Then, like you said, he sees the basket, takes a beat to look at it, opens it up, then he's fucked. But the door's just wide open, and you can tell people are in and out of this like hotel and up and down the hallways all the time. He's asking to be caught. Yeah, but honestly, I don't think too many people besides Casey would have stopped him or Belial. No, because no, yeah, well, Casey, that's she's like the best neighbor to have. Like you could have in a place like this, most likely. Of like, she looks out for her neighbors. The neighbors seem to like her because later on they're like consoling her. Yeah, but. He attacks him, grabs onto his face, and they brawl back into his room, luckily. Like, they go out of the room, into the hallway, and bounce into his room, and Dwayne senses it. You see him, like, perk up on his date right away. Well, this is, yeah, he starts, like, jerking his head around after, like, he was just making out with Sharon, and all of a sudden, he's, like, going into a fit. And they're at the Statue of Liberty. Like, they're on that island. So, they have to get on the boat, and then, because Dwayne, it makes it look like he ran all the way from the Statue of Liberty to there, and Sharon followed him the whole way. So it's just those two waiting on the boat, and then they take off running. He's like, leave me alone, I got something going on. She's like, Dwayne! Yeah, they didn't have this conversation like, what's going on the whole way back? No. And I forget how long it is, like, there's something I saw break down, like, it's actually a good amount of ways from, like, where he's at to where the Statue of Liberty is, so he had to run, like, two miles. (laughs) That's all about the big picture, Brett. Yeah, it's all about the big picture! (laughs) There it is. But he gets, the crowd goes into O'Donovan's room because they heard more commotion now, and that's all they do, I guess, is wait for madness to happen so they can gather around, and they find him all dead and bloody laying there. Dwayne gets back, freaks out on Sharon at the bottom of the stairs. I don't want him to kill you too! And runs upstairs and is looking for Belial. But right when he gets there, there's also cops there. The detectives go into his room with him. And they're like, where were you? Were you here today? No, I was out. Oh, where are you? Any animals in here? No. And they do look in the basket, but it's empty. Oh yeah, we get the a line that we get most of the movie of, what's in the basket? Yeah, dude. 
That's well. Do you ever see the trailer for it? Uh, I mean, I bet you I have. It's just everyone said it's all of the what's in the baskets. <laughs> it's all about what's the basket. Yes, but they look in there. They look around. Like you always leave your place this messy. Uh, yeah. And they're talking about leaving us cash out. Okay, yeah, I'll be careful when they leave. Give us a call if you think of anything. And Belial was hiding in the toilet the whole time. Oh, which is funny, because Dwayne's looking all around. He's like, looks under the bed. He looks in the closet. And you just see the toilet lid open up and a hand come out. <laughs> so, question. Yeah. Does Belial have a digestive system? I mean, he must... So is his asshole just kind of like between his quote-unquote feet? I guess it would be kind of where, like, yeah, like almost like a Slimer type thing. Okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. He definitely has a dick. I think he just thinks he has one. I don't think he actually has one. Because in the sequels, he has children. Uh, Oh, yeah, you know what? You're right. (laughs) So, yeah, there's something there resembling it. Yeah, there's something down there. But anyway, he finds Belial in the toilet, and that night... Dwayne goes to this bar that I guess is either nearby or it's not in the hotel. It's got to be close by, though. Well, because he's sitting there drinking and Casey, like the friendliest prostitute in the whole world, comes up. It's like, let me guess, first bar you came across. And he's like, hey, Casey, how are you? (laughs) Dude, Dwayne is drunk as hell. He's just tanked. Well, because Casey takes them over, like, I have a table in the corner that I always set out. Come over here with me. Bring your basket. And they just sit over there in the corner. <laughs> she says, she's, wait, real quick, I love to Bring your basket. Like, she thinks he's just crazy <laughs> carrying this thing around with him everywhere, I feel like. You know what I mean? I don't yeah. even think she thinks there's anything in it. It's like, go ahead. Bring your thing. Exactly. Yeah, because even at the end of the night, she looks in it and there's nothing in the basket because Belial escaped. So she's like, why is he carrying around an empty basket? But they're drinking together, and man, dude, his acting as drunk Dwayne is great. Like, <laughs> that style laughing. Well, it also kind of helps that there. she's like, "Have you you haven't been drunk many times before, have you? And he's like, no, I've never been drunk. So I was like, okay, I kind of could see the, like, that first time you ever got drunk, you're like, wow, this is amazing. Not knowing the next day you're going to be like, what the fuck? Do you think if he gets drunk, Bilal gets drunk too? No, I don't think so. I think if they oh, were okay. still connected, of course, because of like blood and blood alcohol and stuff. But I don't think like, or his just Belial's mind gets all fuzzy and like laughing. Yeah, that's what like, I mean. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> but he starts. She's like, "What's in the basket?" He's like, "It's my deformed brother." <laughs> he looks laughing. like a squished octopus. Yeah, he's basically revealing everything, and they use this, like, as the flashback. Yeah, which works, and I'm glad that they did kind of do a flashback of, like, I could see a version of this movie where you don't get that. It would still be good, but I think that just makes it where, like, oh yeah, they actually do have a really strong bond. They do, I won't lie, I think the flashback goes on, like, a few beats too long for me, though. Because this yeah. movie is so, like, I'm into everything. You know what I mean? Like, okay, right. this is fun. This is wild. Oh, what the hell? And then this feels like it just kind of kicks my momentum back when I'm watching it a little bit. I'm like, okay, yeah, well, give me the backstory. I could see, like, at least one of the scenes with the ant caring for them gone. Of, like, okay, we kind of get that the ant is nice to them and takes care of them. Yeah, exactly, but you have flashbacks of this angry dad when they were born, the wife died in childbirth, and you know what, they told me I had to name it! Yeah, and, okay, so he named it, he named uh, Dwayne, who is the, like, whole child, it gave him a normal name, Dwayne. The child that's, like, has half a body and it's mostly just head and arm, yeah, give that the monster name. Wasn't oh man, I have to look up so I don't say something stupid. I think it's like isn't Belial like one of the rulers of hell or something like that? Oh, I don't know. It's a famous demon. That'd be cool. I'm looking it up right here, yeah. Like, oh what do you what do you want to name the other one? Lucifer <laughs> Is an evil being in Jewish apocrypha and a demon in Christian demon demonology. Uh you know, Ghost, uh the song Year Zero. Yeah. Where they're chanting all the demon names at the beginning. The first one says, Belial! Belial, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Yeah. 
Exactly. The first yeah. one they say is the way they pronounce Belial. Oh, okay. That's cool. But yeah, so anyway, that was a bit of a tangent just to get to the name. But yeah, so he's going, they made, told me I had to name it. So Dwayne and Belial, that's how much he cares for this thing. And then, dude, I like the picture we see of young Dwayne and Belial where they're both kids. And for some reason, they de-aged Belial. Like they made a young yeah. version puppet of him. Oh, yeah, like his skin's all smooth, and yeah, he looks like a child Belial. Yeah, but um, Dwayne's being forced into this dining room that's been set up for surgery with the two doctors we've already, well, all three doctors we've already seen, the two that he's already got. Yeah, and they're going on and on about, like, uh, the one guy's like, I don't think we have enough time, we need to, like, still talk about this, and the father's like, no, the aunt went away for two nights, we need to do this now. Yep, and they remove Belial. It, the scene where they're, like, separating him has this, like, nasty sound effect. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's like... It's all these sinewy sounds and whatnot. Yeah, it sounds weird. Sometime later, after the surgery, which was successful, the dad hears someone working downstairs. It's like, oh. Dwayne, is that you? Well, uh, Dwayne wakes up in bed and, yeah. like, takes his the blanket off and sees that Belial's gone and that they have their psychic thing. And then you find out they just put Belial in a garbage bag and put him in the garbage, which is yeah. fucking risky as shit. Because I don't know if you've ever noticed, but when the garbage men come by, sometimes they will rip the bag open so it doesn't have that air bo- pocket in it and they can smush it all down. Imagine the garbage man ripping that open and being like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the dad like hears someone working downstairs, thinks it's Dwayne. Like you hear a bunch of power tools and everything like yeah. that. Which how Belial knows how to use these is beyond me at this age. But he goes down there, and I don't know how to describe this. Well, Belial has constructed a roller coaster of doom. It's so like insane and way over the top, but works for this movie. Of it's like one of those red wagon looking things almost with like two pitchforks sticking out of it, a couple machetes, a giant saw blade that's spinning. That's really the only one you need. Yeah. All the other stuff, there's just sticky, like pointy things sticking out of it. Yeah. But he walks right in front of the track and it comes down and gets him. Then we cut to the ant. Like the police say that it had to be some freak accident. I know. And everyone thinks Belial's dead. Maybe it's better that way. She takes care of both of them. And it's very sweet. She's reading to both of them, takes care of both of them from now on. He's a good mom to both the brothers. Right. And you get that thing of like, and they play with it a lot more in the sequels and two and three of like the mom knew this other, uh, the aunt knew another person that is like really nice to these kind of people and whatnot. Um, it is funny when she's, like, cuddling Belial in the, like, blanket and reading to him. It's so fucking funny. Because you know what he turns into? It's like, oh! You know, like... But then we cut to, like, the aunt's dead, and we cut up to, like, a grown-up Dwayne, Kevin Van Hintenrick again, which I met, like, almost ten years ago. Super nice guy. He's the one that broke to me, because I'd seen Basket Case, like, right before he was at the con I was going to go to. And while it's leaving the table, he mentioned something about a sequel. I was like, there's a sequel? He's like, there's two. I was like, holy shit! <laughs> Dude, I saw that picture. He looks exactly the same. Just, like, older, but 100% exactly the same. Oh, he still has the hair. It's just gray now. At the time, he had a basket with him with a Belial inside of it. It was really cool. That's awesome. I sh- we Speaking of hair... Everyone's wearing a wig in this movie, except yeah. for him, the person you'd think was. But yes, um, Terry Susan Smith, Sharon's wearing a wig, Beverly Bonner's wearing a wig. Like, every girl we run into, I think, is wearing a wig. Yeah, and Terry Susan Smith's wig is definitely, like, and we even talked about it when we interviewed her, about, like, oh yeah, you can definitely tell that's a wig. Yep, definitely a couple times. I'm ashamed to say I didn't the first time I saw it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention enough, but yeah, the second time I'm like, well, wait a second! When the mashed potato monster is screaming and feeling up on boobies, it's kind of hard to look at the hair that much. Yeah, there's so much other stuff going on. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, Fame never mind. Ripping, people are getting ripped in half. Dads are falling apart. Yeah. <laughs> Cats and dogs. <laughs> Casey's helping drunk Dwayne back home, props him up in bed. Well, takes him to the door, and everyone's like, I got it from here. He's like, okay. 
clearly takes a few steps back, sees him passing out in the doorway, comes back, puts him in the bed. Yeah. And here's where you said she does take a look in the basket, and it's empty. Well, this is where, like, uh, Dwayne falls on the bed, like, blackout drunk. It's like me coming back from the Empire in, like, 2015 after seeing He Hate Me. I was like, how the fuck did I get home? Um, <laughs> But he, like, snaps awake real quick and runs back out to the hallway and grabs a basket and puts it in the room. And he's like, I almost forgot him. And that's when Casey looks over at it and is just like, what's in the basket? <laughs> and remember... Dude- this all could have been solved, too, if you got a new padlock after that thief broke it. Well, also, you're putting a padlock on a wicker basket. Like, still, apparently it seems to work. Yeah. But she checks it. It's empty. So she goes to her room. She's going to bed. She gets our PJs on or whatever. Oh. She gets in. She's got, she loves smiley faces. She got the smiley face clock. She got smiley face pajamas. Her room is, like I said, like painted bright yellow, like the smiley faces. She's just a very happy prostitute. Oh, yeah, dude. She's like a shining beacon of joy in this movie. I'm not even joking. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, she's like, and um, the actress, uh, Beverly Bonner, she later on in her life, like, did a one-woman show um, about... Casey after the events of this. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But she gets in bed and she something moves under her pillowcase. She moves it and Belial's just chilling under her pillow and huge scream from her and Belial. She runs outside and our mob has reappeared, of course. They're like, because this is before the internet, this is before satellite, they have the bunny ears still. And if it's anything like today, where like, I have an antenna, but it was always just to watch MeTV, so it's Saturday nights I could watch Singuli. MeTV is no longer available in my area. So imagine being back in, back then where I can't just go, like, oh, I can sign up for the Friendly app and still watch my Singuli. No, that's gone now forever. So these people are looking for any entertainment they can get. Yeah. Oh, thank God the upstairs neighbor is screaming again. I am so goddamn bored. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the crowd reappears, the owner goes in, of course, like he always does, and nothing's there, because Belial went out the window and back in the other way. The amount of times this hotel manager is running up and down these stairs, I'm not, I'm surprised he's not in, like, wonderful shape. Dude, he's like a mountain climber after this. Oh, yeah. Well, he's just running up and down that the whole time, but it looks like he eats ten cheeseburgers himself. (laughs) But the next morning, we get hungover Dwayne. And this is where they're going to get their last doctor. They go to Dr. Cutler's and they're like, she's a vet, an animal doctor. <laughs> Which is just like I said earlier, she, it's made up where she's like the head honcho and she's a veterinarian. <laughs> know what it reminded me of is you watch Sherlock Park Boys, right? Yeah. How Sam Losco has the vet clinic and the boys always show up to like have him like sew them up or take bullets out of them. And then he always gets caught by the police and he loses his practice. Then he gets it back. I could see him being this woman of his like, you fucking dirty caveman. Get the fuck away from here. (laughs) But he's in there and she knows who he is. He tells her and she is unfazed by it. She's like, so what, did you come to thank me? I did you the biggest favor in the world that day, going on, like, very high on herself. And, of course, Belial starts attacking her. Well, that's what, she's going on and on, and she starts shoving the basket into Dwayne. And then she looks down, and what does she say? What's in the basket? Exactly. And then Belial jumps up, another face hugger attack. And this one, like, they battle for a bit, and this drawer opens as all of her, like, surgery stuff, like scissors, scalpels, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And he shoves her face into it, and the next time we see it, there is, like, poking out of every direction of her face. I kind of love that shot. This is where, yeah, when the twin nurses, like, the receptionist and the nurse, or, like, switch back and forth, like, you be the receptionist today, and I'll be the nurse, they won't know. But the twins open the door, and they're side by side, and it uh, looks up, and she just has, like, a million things sticking out of her face, and it's just like, like, screaming. And then, like, she just kind of slumps over and dies. Yeah, it doesn't get cut in half. No, because she's a veterinarian. The other ones are doctors. Cutting in half is for doctors, Brett. 
Yeah, she hasn't gotten there yet. Which actually, I've heard that being a vet is harder than being a doctor, but I don't know. Oh, I'm sure it is. <laughs> to be honest, like you're working on a bunch of different types of bodies and everything. Yeah. And they don't tell you where it hurts, but that's rant for another time. But <laughs> Dwayne and Belial go back home, but Sharon's there, and she shows up and tells tells Dwayne there was a murder, whatever her doctor was, and she's kind of upset by it. Like I don't know why I'm so upset about it, and I don't know why I'm talking to you of all people, but. They're about to have sex, and it's music going on. And then Belial, the ultimate cock block that he is, pops out of his basket and starts screaming. And I love Sharon's switch of, like, she's making out. Her and Dwayne are French kissing. You see tongues going all over the place. There's saliva (laughs) flying. And then Belial pops up, and she's immediately like, what the fuck is that? What's in that basket? Dwayne, let me go. Get the fuck off of me. And Dwayne wraps her in the sheet and throws her out the door. She slams against the wall and hits the ground. And she gets out from under the sheet. She's like, Dwayne! (laughs) Damn you, why? Dwayne starts yelling. She's screaming, and the crowd is assembled and seeing her scream as she runs away. <laughs> Dwayne's yelling at the basket and crying. It's a wild moment. Yeah, like, it's. Uh, I just wanted a girlfriend. It's not my fault you can't do anything. Why do you have to cock block me all the time? See, honestly, going back to that theme I said, 100% works. Yeah. But. That night, Dwayne's sleeping, and Belial wakes up, and his eyes start glowing red. I guess this is when he's up to mischief. This is like, like, yeah, Belial's up to mischief. He's like, oh, I'm gonna be evil now. Extra evil. <laughs> and he leaves through the window, and Dwayne is having a dream that he is naked and running down the streets of New York, just hanging full dong there, like I mean, everything. Hats off to Kevin Van Hittenrick for legitimately running down a New York City street, butt-ass naked, like, giant-ass, like, early 80s bush. You don't really need to censor much, if you were to, because every once in a while you see a flop, but most of it's covered in hair. Yeah, that's all I'm going to say on that. (laughs) (laughs) But in his dream, he finds Sharon, she's sleeping naked, and pulls the sheet down and starts, like, caressing her and kind of grabbing her boobs and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> he boops her nipple. He goes, boop, and just, like, pokes it. <laughs> Dude, okay, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's a hen and lauder thing that I don't know why. Because remember in Frankenhooker, they do the exact same thing. Yeah, they just poke the nipple. I think it's just because it's funny. Uh, he's got a weird thing for booping nipples. Yeah, it's just so, like, well, you'd think, like, okay, here's my big scene, you know, like, I'm naked, here comes the monster. Boop. But Dwayne, in real life, wakes up and realizes Belial's gone, and Psychic Link, oh shit, in my dream me going there and doing all this, that's what Belial's doing. Yeah, well, because, like you said, Belial's feeling up the boobies, and then he crawls, like, you see him go, like, point of view on top of her, and then he starts rocking back and forth, so you're like, "Uh uh-oh. And Dwayne wakes up and is like, oh, fuck, no, God damn it, Belial, mine! <laughs> Sharon wakes up and has the best, like, uh-huh. scream queen scream in the world, and, like, obviously when you're looking up and see Belial staring down at you, and she's strangled and poked in the face? Yeah, poked to I, death. I think, <laughs> yeah, and... His eyes are glowing as he's doing it, because evil Belial. Dwayne breaks into the room and finds... Um, how do I put this? Well... Dead Sharon and Belial raping a corpse? Yeah, and there's, like, she, the crotch area is all covered in blood. The bottom of Belial is all covered in blood. Like, yeah, he's still just going for it. Yeah, and... He's fucking furious, as you would be, throws Belial into the basket, takes him home. Imagine this, like, if you're someone, you see Dwayne, who's obviously distraught, this girl he really liked was just killed, and other stuff by his brother, and he's yelling at his basket, like, why did you do that? She was good! What the hell? But to everyone else, this crazy man is just screaming at his favorite wicker basket for no reason, going up the steps. Yeah, because, well, he's fighting with it, he's slamming it against the walls... Real quick, I want to mention, because that's the uh, 
uh, last seen Terry Susan Smith is in the movie. If you are a fan of this movie, please go check out that interview because we get so many behind the scenes things and stories that we would have never, of course, known. Especially like, oh, especially like that, that scene specifically. That scene specifically where she's in the bed where she starts telling the story, and I'm like, holy shit, this is hilarious. Oh, it's great. So yeah, please, make sure yeah. you go check that one out. Yes, she is awesome. But yes, Dwayne is like fighting with the basket. He's wrestling all around. He's slamming it against the walls. He's running up the stairs. The hotel manager rolls his eyes and goes running back up the stairs after him. <laughs> the usual crowd breaks into the room this time because this time it's really late at night. And they see this because Belial has had enough of Dwayne's shit and attacks Dwayne by grabbing his crotch yeah. and lifting him into the air. <laughs> Oh, just by his crotch. And it's such a great scene because it holds on it for like a good like beat. If you're like, how did they do that? Because he is like his feet are kicking. His hands are flailing. So it's not like he's standing on a box that's like behind the bed. So it looks like it. There must have been some kind of pulley system or something. Yeah, it's probably wire work or something. But yeah, they wrestle out the window and we have a cliffhanger situation here. And it's. Dwayne holding on to Belial, if I'm thinking right, well, and Belial's holding on. Belial's holding on to the fire escape and is holding Dwayne by the throat, so he's still strangling him. <laughs> Belial slowly starts losing his grip, and there's a crowd outside gathering, like, what is that up there? And oh, no, you get a big... We get, oh my god, what is that over there? Everyone, look! It's like the oh, yeah. worst delivery, but I love it so much. <laughs> but they lose the grip, and they fall and splat right on the ground, and I love how they land how they used to be attached. Yes. Like, Belial's right on Dwayne's side. It makes a lot of sense story-wise of like, oh, you know, they're brothers, and they all they ever had was each other, and as soon as they turned on each other, things went bad, and you know. Yeah, and then credits are rolling as the crowd's looking at it, and that's Basket Case. Man, what a fun time. A uh, real quick fun scene, uh, thing about that scene, when they're hanging off the Hotel Broslin sign on the fire escape, that yes. was right outside uh, Kevin Van Hindenburg's actual room that he lived in. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Um so, speaking of Kevin Van Hanenrick, that's the movie, don't get me wrong, we're, we're done with the beat for beat of it all, right. but there's something very interesting about him I wanted to bring up and see if you've ever got this. Okay. I don't feel like they filmed this movie in order, you know what I mean? Like, they filmed this, but it actually takes place after and stuff like that, because there's scenes with him where he is stiff as a fucking board. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's basically just read the script and is just memorizing, like, oh, we're not actually filming this scenes. And then there's other scenes where he's fantastic, and I'm like... I feel like those were like the first scene shot and then he got more and more comfortable as it went on. Do you get that feeling? I don't know for sure if that's the case or not, but do you kind of get that vibe with it? I can see what you mean. Of cer Yeah, certain scenes he seems very stiff and his delivery is like not what it is in other scenes where it seems like he just lets loose. Yeah, other scenes he seems like a legit good actor, and, yeah. but like there's some more, especially where he like confronts uh, Dr. Cutler, her name was, I think, is like, Yes, I I swear to God, he's reading a cue card. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell? Especially because it's so late in the movie, and I've seen him acting very well earlier and everything. It just seems so weird. I don't know. Maybe it was like the 20th take, and he was just getting irritated. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, come or yeah, Frank Hennenlotter's yelling at him. He's like, this isn't the 21st century yet. We're still shooting this on actual film. This is costing us money. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. But that was something I wanted to make sure I at least mentioned at some point in this. Yeah. Yeah, but man, what a fun time. Oh, this is a comfort movie for me. This is a go-to of like, I don't know what to watch. What am I going to put on? Basket case. Which also, I don't think we mentioned, this is the last episode of our year. You know what yes. I mean? Yes, after this episode, we are going into year three. Yeah, so two years ago, well, just about two full years ago, we started this thing. So Yeah, holy shit. Look at us. We finally got the basket case. Yeah, about time. What is it, like, episode, what, like, 114 or something like that? Something like that. It's over 100. <laughs> All right, you're getting to the end of episode stuff. Yeah, let's get into the count of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. All right, so the Throbbing Horror Count of the Dead tallies up all the deaths in the movie. Brett, where do you think we go with Basket Case? There's one I think might have tripped you up on it. 
Uh, well, uh, they want you to think Dwayne and Belial are dead at the very end, but of course we know they're not. Uh, yeah, I didn't count them because we know we've seen the rest of them. Right. Um, I believe there are seven. Oh, shit. Well done. You got it. I thought the ant was going to throw no, you off. I can't forget the ant. She was the sweetest person ever. Still, but like, because it was all told in flashback yeah. and everything. I'm like, oh, the ant's going to get him. She just dies of old age. She does. She isn't killed. Yeah, well done. Yes, yeah, seven Thank deaths you. in the first basket case. Well, that's great. Count of the dead. <laughs> and I'll get into my ratings from Dimension Z. <laughs> Uh, so basically, I take the movie and I take something from the movie and I rate it one through ten, one being the worst and ten being the best. I come up with that thing right now. I'm going to go with because this is a classic one of like you. I've pointed out even during the Terry Susan Smith interview of like I love these um, movies that take place in like the 70s and early 80s of its dingy New York. It's dirty. Everything's covered in a layer of filth. You know, this taxi driver, there's a million of them you can think of. A grimy Big Apple. So I'm going to go with um, visiting locations in this version of New York City during this time, late 70s, early 80s. That's a mouthful for me to say at the end, but okay. Yes. Um, so a number one version of a New York landmark in the se- early 70s and 80s. I'm going to say like you go to Wall Street and it's just like, yeah, it's just a bunch of rich people and stocks and stuff. I could give a shit. Okay. Like, I, let's just fucking get somewhere good. A number 10 version, like the best thing you're going to want to see in New York City during this time period is CB fucking Jeebies. Okay. I can agree with this. I mean, could you imagine going there during this time and getting to see any band at all, don't care who it is, on that tiny little stage and going to take a piss in that horrible bathroom? <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, personally, and Brett's point of view, Basket Case is a 10 out of 10 perfect movie. This is a Brett from Dimension Z movie. I love it so much. I loved it from the very first time I saw it. And I was like, holy shit, this can be a movie. And it introduced me to Frank Henenlotter, which I love. Like, everything I've seen of his, I've loved. Fair. So, yeah, 10 out of 10 for Brett. This is going to CBGB's in the late 70s. The Ramones are playing tonight. Oh, fuck yeah. Man, I love Basquiat's. I I could not get it to 10, though. (laughs) I had to be honest with myself. Yeah, I knew I you were going to go 10 on it. Yeah. 100%. I went eight and a half places in New York out of 10. Okay. Man, I love this movie. It's so fun. But the it's basically anything I pointed out during the episode or my reasons for an eight and a half. But I don't want to focus on why I didn't get a 10. I wanted to talk about all the reasons it got up to an eight and a half. Because yeah. in reality, a movie like this has no business getting that high of a score. And that's how good it is. And I believe in the hands of anyone else other than Frank Henenlotter, this would not be this good. There's a few in his ilk that I could see pulling this off. Uh, even, like, I'm trying to think, like, the first one I thought was Roger Corman. Which, certain yeah. Roger Corman movies, I like them a lot. There's no Roger Corman movie I love. Corman, Cohen... Kaufman or the three that yeah. I could like if we couldn't get it from Hen and Laura I could say okay I'd trust any of them with it Larry Cohen I think could do because this does have almost a cue the winged serpent type thing of, yeah I could see Michael Moriarty being Dwayne instead of Cam- Kevin Van Hintenrick yeah oh well, imagine that that would actually be great man I would have loved to see that cut no one's as dumb as I look <laughs> <laughs> all right but yeah, so that's Basket yeah. Case. Holy shit, yeah, Basket Case. Uh, rounding out year two, going into year three now, which means October is right around the corner. There's something big coming in October, people, so be on the lookout. Yes, there is, and I'll throw this. We don't really talk about what we do next too much, but there's something big coming real soon because, this is, like we said, the last episode of our year, so year two Thrabi Awards coming out like within a few days after this. Fuck yeah, fuck the Emmys, fuck the Golden Globe, it's the Throbbies. So if you don't know, if you are new, the Throbbies is where we give out a bunch of fun little awards based on everything we covered the last year. So it's a really fun time, so make sure you come back for that one. 
Yeah, everything we break. Well, Greg breaks it down into categories, like categories you would kind of think of, extremely fun out there categories that only throbbing with horror would think of. So yeah, <laughs> look forward to that. Oh yeah, so we'll see you guys then. That's all I got here. Yeah, and I hope Basket Case has left her brain throbbing with horror. Ah, uh, it seems you've survived another fright. Be sure to look for the Throbbing with Horror Pumpkin on all of your favorite social medias and local newspaper headlines. Rate us five stars on your favorite podcast platform. Or else, subscribe for more tantalizing terror and be ready for the new fear next week. If you dare. <laughs>